Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Talk Recorded live. Fragments of silicon. It's better than nothing. <laughs> Given the stupidity of the universe, that's probably going to be Mighty Number no. Nine's legacy. Like we'll be hearing it's better than nothing like three years from now. Well, the but, part of the problem is that it was attributed to being KG Inafune's actual words for it, where it wasn't. It was a commentary by the translator. But yeah, it's it's still bad PR. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I, I would never claim otherwise. Yes. I hope the person who would claim that it was good PR was not actually working in PR. Anyway, welcome to the season finale of Fragments of Silicon, Season 5. Um, it's been a pretty long season. Well, I guess it's actually been, technically speaking, as far as episode count, it's a bit shorter. But considering we do so much more these days, it's it's been a longer season. So... Um, we're, after this episode, we are, and well, after presumably MSP tonight, we are taking a two-week break. You know, we'll be back in uh, mid-July, uh, July 13th, I believe, or actually a bit before that. But more on that at the bottom of the show. Anyway, uh, let's get to the news. Um, Ogre, why don't you go because you have an announcement to make? Well, uh, let's as as of the 20th of July, I will not be on the show for at least two months. I'm taking a sabbatical for I have dental surgery and it's pretty much gonna uh, I won't be talking for a while. Which is business as usual here, so Mm -hmm. that'll also affect Naka's show. So we'll have stuff hopefully set up and he'll have things to occupy his time while I'm gone. Yeah, about a month the plans. That's a, yeah. Well, I gave him the heads up, and if he doesn't do anything beforehand, that's on him. Pretty much. Like, you uh, know, we've got plans in place to, while Ogre's away. Um, yeah. You know, Let's like, see. He, Other than that, uh, yeah. just recording it as, as usual, and uh, got to figure out how much to record before I go out for a while, so... That's yeah. pretty much it for me. Uh, well, Mega Man 5 just wrapped up, and I'm guessing your next game... Well, I know... is Mega Man 7. We're just skipping over it. <laughs> Why are they caps so Well, it's like, I know one one or two of the next games you're doing. No. I'm but gonna... anyway, that's pretty much it for me. So, Galix... Galix? Anytime now. Oh, sorry, I had my mic muted. Uh, it's a podcast, isn't it? 
kind of good timing on the season break because I'm getting ready tonight and tomorrow for FortCon, which is the local geek and anime convention, which starts tomorrow. So I have to pack to be ready to be there by three. It's not too far from here. I just usually go to the hotel because uh, mm. I stay at the hotel because uh, there's stuff in the morning and I'm not a morning person. So that greatly increases my chances of being able to participate in some of them. Um, other than that, I uh, just played finished playing through the plot of Kirby Planet Robobot yesterday, and that was a really good movie game, um, like compared to the last couple even. Particularly, they integrated the game's gimmick a lot better than, um, especially Triple Deluxe, and even a bit better than Return to Dreamland. Was there a gimmick in Triple um, Deluxe? No, there mm-hmm. wasn't. Like triple deluxe. Was the gimmick, the gimmick in triple deluxe was the was the uh, supernova or hypernova power that was just a really really big inhale that you glowed all sparkly during. Yeah, but that, that's what, kind of what I'm getting. Like uh, triple deluxe wasn't a gimmick Kirby. It was a um like it, it's considered one of the main Kirby's. Like well, there's two branches. There's the spinoffs and there's the main line. The main line is the like the Return to Dreamland stuff, and the gimmick stuff is like Kirby's Epic Yarn and. A canvas curse and what have you. I was referring to of the mainline games that, like, in Return to Dreamland, there were sections where you had to use the special superpowers. Oh. And in Planet Robobot, they're the Robobot that you actually usually have a choice whether or not to use, and you can go about things different ways whether or not you have it. And in, in, and in Triple Deluxe, there were times when you pretty much had to use Hypernova to get through areas. Mm-hmm. Um, just in this game... The variety of the Robobot, because you can use different forms, and uh, the ability to not always have to use it when it's available, um, both make it, um, it feels like it's integrated a little bit more into the game. And also, there are a lot of fun um, callbacks to previous games. I'm not going to like say like plot things, because plot might be overstating it a little bit. There's some interesting stuff in there if you look a little bit deeper. Anyway. Um, uh, anyway. So that's my mini-game review, but other than that, I don't have a whole lot going on. I haven't had time to play Mighty Number no. 9 yet, so I can't give an honest uh, review of it. Um, but I wish it was better because I can tell really easily what kind of game it wants to be, and it doesn't seem not all that successfully. Yeah. All right. uh, how do you plan your up? Uh, well, I actually was playing some Mighty Number no. Nine, and oh God, what did they do? Go like, on. Seriously, this game has a lot of problems. Go on, you know, like like um, for one, the water section is almost unplayable because what? of how murky the water is at the beginning. You literally can't see your character, what? let alone the surroundings. What system are you playing on? PC. Oh. Yeah. And no matter what settings I, I wonder if that change, depends I on or, or that, I wonder if that I get if, What? Sorry, I was gonna say I wonder if that depends at all on what graphic settings you select. Well I have everything set to high and I even tried messing with them so you think it's that I guess it would be considered a filter to go away, and it doesn't. In fact, if you turn down the graphics, it actually makes it worse. Right. 
Sounds like poor optimization to me. Yeah, or something. It's like, if you can kind of fight your way through it, it gets a little clearer later on, but you've lost so many lives at that point, then you basically have to do the rest of the stage perfect blind. Mm. And outside of that, I'm not a whole lot's been going on. Just waiting for the results of my sleep study to come in. Need to make an appointment to see a dentist. You know, same old, same old. You don't need dental surgery, do you? I don't know. That's not encouraging. Well, like, I have a broken tooth, so I don't know what they're going to do about that. And also, because I have acid reflux on my teeth, are starting to erode. So, fun time. Like I said, that's kind of worrisome, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, anything else? Um... Other than Mighty Number no. 9 kind of sucks? No. Alright. Um, I go. I yep. I have nothing to do with the Mighty Number no. 9. I didn't back it. I, te- I just have a general rule of not backing Kickstarters. But if this is for one I backed, I'd probably be feeling, you know, pretty shitty given all the, the reaction. I backed it and I'm, I'm fully regretting it. Yeah, but believe me, it it's kind of the hot topic in the in the game dev community right now, judging from what I've seen on like social media. But uh, shifting away from that, personally, I've just kind of been playing random games right now because um, I don't have to play a game for review right now. I mean that will change because I've been setting up uh, you know stuff for the next season and all that. But in general, it's been like a lot of uh, quietness in the E3 recovery. You know, we're not working on the show. We, you know, this is our fourth episode this week, so it's been pretty busy here. Uh, uh, and as far as um, Ogre Sabbatical, um, we're going to work around that, uh, not just in terms of our um, uh, production apparatus here. It's like we've got that taken care of, but we may have um, one or we may have one of our regular listeners uh, guest host. Um, we're thinking Twilight Winter right now because he's done some stuff with us in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and especially since there is going to be, I think, a week, a week and a half where both Galix and Ogre are not going to be here. So it that would just be uh, Petty Fan and myself. And yeah, if Ogre's going to be gone at the beginning of August, I'm probably going to be on vacation at the beginning of August. So He's probably not going to be here in August. He's probably coming back here in September. Oh. And he's certainly going to be gone at the beginning of August. That, you know, Remember, he's getting a surgery on July 20th. So. Right. It's like, we may have another, like, when you're gone, we may have a second uh, regular, like, Mystic Fena uh guest host as well. You know, more details on that as they come. Uh, uh, I assume we have MSP tonight. Uh, we haven't got any word that the, that it's gotten canceled. So, uh, And uh, 
sorry, uh, Fenria. Yeah, so, uh, all right, Fen. Uh, anyway, uh, MSP is also going to go on sabbatical because it doesn't really make sense to have one show going on while the other is uh, in mothballs, especially since we're kind of the um, headlining show. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyway, we, sh- depending on circumstances, we'll be coming back either um, July 7th or July 10th. It all depends on if we get the One Piece game. You know, it's like, you know, they told us that that we were going to get the codes. It's just the game kind of has to get released. So we're yeah. special, but not that. Yes, special. it it depends on whether the game is a thing yet at that point. Yeah. So you know, not to worry. There's already a couple reviews for uh, the for the beginning two weeks. There may be more. You know, it's uh, it's kind of fluid right now. Anyway, uh, that's what's been going on here, and without further ado, we shall roll on to the um, interview portion of tonight's show. So this is an interesting one, because um, uh, the outfit we're featuring this week, they're a veteran to our broadcasting network. That is to say, uh, we had Runic Games here on the program about, well, on our sister program about four years ago. Um, back when Torchlight 2 was ramping up and uh, getting released. And, you know, obviously it's been a while since they've been uh, featured, but you know, they've got a new project in the works, and it's nearing release. And we're going to be talking about it today. Anyway, um, I am pleased to welcome um, Alan Long and John Dunbar to the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure being on the show again. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. And, yeah, it's like uh, we had, like, Max and uh, Wonder on the program back in the old days. And, it's mm-hmm. nice, you know, it's nice to meet you two. Um, for our audience, why don't you tell us what you do at uh, Runic? Uh, so, I'm the COO of Runic. And uh, I'm John Dunbar. I'm a gameplay programmer. And, you know, we're a small company, so we both do a lot of other stuff, too. Mm-hmm fairly standard uh, when it comes to the small devs. Uh, And uh, let's see. So we'd like to get to know uh, the people who are on our program. And we'd like to start off with asking both of you, how did you first get interested in uh, video games? Um, I guess, uh, I mean, I came into the industry probably, what, uh, maybe eight or nine years ago. Um, and I kind of just fell into it. Uh, I love video games ever since I was a kid. Um, and found an opportunity um, and started working in the treatment. It's been a really great experience since then. It's uh, amazing working with really talented uh, uh, developers and uh, really incredible people, uh, especially a lot of the guys on the team. Uh, the guys involved in the team, and it's uh, a great experience. It's really awesome learning and just seeing the creative energy and from a lot of people. Yeah, and I've been, you know, obviously playing games since I was a kid, and uh, I think I started making games. I remember on the Commodore 64, like, I, I tried to make my first game there, and I was like, all right, number of lives, three. All right, that's probably a good place to start a game. Number of lives, uh, yeah, I don't know where to go from there. So I, I made a ball that bounced around, and it wasn't a very good game. But... Uh, I don't know what you're 
Yeah, you had, you had a limited number. No, you didn't. Never came <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but yeah, I, I've always loved games. I remember uh, when I was in, in fifth grade, my, my teacher asked us all what our, our life goals were, and uh, I was going to beat Castlevania three, and she was very upset with me. <laughs> It's a very important life goal. Yeah. And you accomplished it later that year. I don't Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah. Absolutely. No. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, life goals can be accomplished very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, anyway, um, so uh, how did you get involved professionally with, uh, with the video game industry? Well, I started at the... Uh, I guess the bottom of the ladder in uh, customer service. I did I did uh, support for like Deer Hunter and uh, the Civ games, and uh, and then I did QA for a lot of small games, like a lot a lot of web games um, that weren't great, but they they went by really quickly, like you know one or two months a, a game, and so I learned a lot there. And I kind of worked my way into design, and then level design, and then I was doing uh, effects for a while. And uh, now I'm doing mostly programming. Uh, yeah, I, I fell into it from the other end of things, uh, basically doing this development for a large publisher. Um, and uh, my role at the time was really just talking to a lot of different developers and trying to uh, bridge relationships uh, with us and those developers and finding really great people to work with. Uh, also, uh, it's really often you get to meet a lot of really talented people, uh, really inspirational people. I'm um, trying to find ways to work with them and support, uh, support what they're doing. And um, uh, what lens did you both at Runic? Go ahead, Alan. <laughs> Sorry, I actually missed that question. What was it again? Um, how did you both end up at Runic Games, and how long have you been at uh, the company? Uh, so I've officially been here for earlier this year, so maybe what, like six, seven months? Um, but, uh, I mean, I've known everyone on the team for, for years and years. Um, I initially helped um, put together an initial partnership between uh, Runic and the company I was uh, previously at Perfect World, um, and worked on and off with the guys here for a long time, supporting them what they're doing, trying to manage and put additional resources together when they had different yeah. things they're trying to push out for Torchlight and Torchlight 2. But, but Alan's been in our office the whole time. Like, he's, he's physically worked out of our office for, like, eight years now. Maybe, yeah. yeah, so I mean, he's, he's, you know, been uh, part of our team in, in reality, if not on paper, for, for a long time. Uh, and I... Started at uh, at Flagship, which is kind of like Flagship Seattle, kind of turned into Runic Games back in the day, and we were making uh, Mythos, this uh, online uh, action RPG MMO thing. And uh, then we moved over to Runic, and we made uh, Torchlight, which was uh, a similar game without the uh, MMO element, uh, but we had the the practice of doing the Mythos project, so it turned out a lot better than the Mythos probably would have. Uh, and I've been here ever since. Hmm. Yes, I played both Torchlight's game. They're, they're among the um, finest examples of the dungeon crawler genre that I can think of. And well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, like I said, um, you know, and I remember when we had Max on the old show uh, about the t- uh, you know about 
four or five years ago, however long it's been, and I remember him telling us the story of how Mythos became flagship, and it was quite harrowing. <laughs> it, it was indeed. I mean, we, those are uh, thankfully becoming distant memories at this point. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we're having nightmares about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Runic's been around for uh, like six, seven years now. Uh, more than seven, seven and a half, or, or maybe eight. Yeah, I think we're coming on our eighth anniversary here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that end of, of Mythos was difficult at the time, but it was it was absolutely for the best. Like, uh, I think we we all lucked out uh, in the way it it, it ended up happening. Mm. Yes, and um, that kind of brings me to the project you're doing right now, uh, Hob. Now, what's interesting here is uh, this isn't a dungeon crawler. And, you know, given not just the history of, uh, you know, uh, Runic Games and um, Flagship, but going all the way back to Blizzard North, like, I know a lot of um, veterans there worked on the first two Diablo games. Um, This is like a completely different, uh, not just IP, but uh, genre, experience, uh, and whatnot. But before we get into that, um, for the uninitiated, what is Hob exactly? All right. Well, Hob is uh, it's more of an adventure game. It's uh, you know, at the end of the Torchlight games, we, we've been making these mouse and keyboard games for so long, and it's like, can we please do something where you have a controller and you push this and you push a button and you know, he does the thing instead of this, this more indirect control, which is great. But we just worked on it with it for so long, and so it's a, a more of a, a classic hold the controller in your hands, adventure game, you can climb on stuff. Uh, Torchlight, we tried to make it, it seem as 3D as possible, but really you're on a 2D plane, and, and, and Hob, it's, it's, you're in a 3D world, and you're fighting monsters, and the world is very mysterious, and it unfolds uh, as the game progresses, and you have to learn how it ticks, and what your role in it is, and, and hopefully you eventually make the world better uh, as you progress. Mm. Yes, I think one of the, uh, uh, one of the really great things about um, where the studio was at after Torso was just, well, uh, we had an incredible opportunity to basically make any game we want to after that. Um, and really, when everyone on the team, we all sat down about what we want to actually create. Uh, we came up with, we, we talked about a lot of games that actually inspired us, mm-hmm. um, that we loved to play, like, like um, obviously Zelda is a huge inspiration for us. Uh, games like Psycho Rochelle, The Colossus, Gem that have come out like just uh, recently around the same time as like Jupiter is that mm-hmm. they're super inspired by the atmosphere and and um, the world that was built um, in that. Yeah, and, and, and Dark Souls is always in the back of our mind. And I don't need to imply that our game is going to be you know just like all those games, but yeah. But but they're definitely what we're influenced by. Yeah, yeah. and then speaking of the implementation that we had with Torchlight, we were sticking with the genre, sticking with what we had built before. Um, and before all that, we created an entirely new IP, an entirely new experience. What do we want to build, and, and what are we inspired on, what, what kind of world do we want to create, and that's basically how it all came up. Makes sense, makes sense. So I suppose it's important that you do something new so you don't just, like, become the Dungeon Crawler Studio or what have you. Yeah, and it's been a lot more difficult uh, figuring out what this game is than it was 
with the torchlight game because with that we had a real road uh-huh. that we could follow. And when we decided to, to plunge off through the woods and, and make our own paths, you know, the game can be anything, which is very freeing, but it, it's also uh, difficult. You have to narrow it down to, like, what actually is the heart of this game. And we have combat, and we have exploration, and we have a little bit of puzzle solving. And, you know, we, we had to figure out which of these is really the core of the game. Um, and I think that that what has emerged is that the uh, world is the core of the game and the exploration and uh, the, the learning about your environment. Yeah, I mean, the was really cool. We kind of got the Or is it using UE4 or it? 
We're actually uh, we're using the uh, the same rendering engine that we use for the Torchlight game, which is Ogre, uh, and the gameplay uh, engine is all our custom technology, and uh, and we actually ended up doing quite a bit of modification on Ogre as well. Mm. So this is is totally custom stuff. Um, was there any difficulty in uh, like reattuning the the uh, Ogre engine to you know what is a v- rather different genre and experience from Torchlight and Torchlight 2? Yeah, we've had to, to build uh, most of our technology uh, from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, except for the, on the rendering side, Ogre's done a big help with, with the rendering, and uh, they have uh, support for PlayStation as well, which has helped. But yeah, most things we, we've had to build on our own, which makes it a lot more time-consuming for us to do. Uh, I, the upside of that is that you get to make it custom. You get to make exactly what you need and, you know, tune it so that it's, it's performance uh, in for the kind of game that you want to build instead of uh, instead of working with the engines. Hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's like we do get a, uh, the occasional dev that does the custom stuff, but, you know, usually it's like, uh, you know, they work in Unity or a modified version of Unity. Yes. And I'm certainly, like, I, I uh, make projects in my spare time using Unity. Like, I'm not against it at all. I think it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's certainly a very versatile engine, and, you know, it has its um, quirks and limitations, but, you know, we certainly had many a developer extol the virtues. In fact, that kind of happened, that happened just yesterday. Um, anyway, uh now, has the game been in development for four years or two years, or how long have you been, like, doing the heavy lifting here? Maybe around, I think a total of two and a half years, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's about accurate, yeah. I mean, after we shipped Torchlight 2, we spent some time doing a lot of exploration. Um, we also did a ton of updates to, to Torchlight 2, the initial six, eight months afterwards, and then spent time really trying to the type of product we want to work on next. We went through a couple of different iterations on um, different game ideas, um, and eventually fell off of it that really struck the team and um, was something that we all got really excited about. Mm-hmm. And where did, um, where did the name Hob come from? If if you can talk about it. Sure, it is. It's actually uh, from our artist, Mike Fisher, came up with the, the name Hob. It's uh, it's an interesting word if you look it up, like because it's tied into the word Hobgoblin. It was kind of these you know weird creatures, mm-hmm. and it also means ear. And the, the mechanical aspect is, is really important to our world. And it ends up being just kind of this uh, this this word that means a lot of different things. And our world has a lot of that to it. You know, we don't have the dialogue and it's kind of mysterious and there's a lot of different things going on at once. And so it, it just seemed really appropriate. Plus, it's super cool to have a three-letter word that everyone can pronounce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just the best thing for a name. It, it's certainly um, rememberable, I suppose. Uh, like, it, you know, it's short, but it's also not, you know, generic. Or at least... Yeah, and we we get some more press for the game. Uh, Google will stop uh, trying to autocorrect it to HBO, I hope. <laughs> mm. uh, and now, as I understand it, the 
conveyance of the story is taking place um, uh, not through, like, text or um, speech or anything, but actually, like, through the world. Um, Exactly how it would be conveyed, like, through gameplay or, you know, um, actions or emotions. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all, so we're trying to avoid a, a text and dialogue entirely and uh, just do it through how your characters should be acting in the situations, what their body language is, is what kind of what the sounds are, what's in the world, what they're feeling, how the world itself acting to your presence, and uh, the story that you're telling through your actions when you play the game. because you seem to have one of these featureless protagonists. Um, yeah, that's a really good point, and, and, and that isn't an intentional thing. We're, we're trying to keep it ambiguous. Uh, I probably shouldn't refer to the character as he, but the English language makes it very difficult uh, <laughs> to speak without referring to gender. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that's more a problem inherent with the English language than uh, anything else. Like uh, in, say, Japanese, there are... You can refer to some uh, a person as a person without assigning a gender. You know, he, mm-hmm. that's kind of hard without getting offensive. You know, it's yeah. Like, in English, do you in English? There's no subject dropping, and it's really hard to not sound unnatural referring to things by their proper names most of the time. Yeah, a- and mm-hmm. if you refer, refer to a person as an it, then yeah, that, that's just awkward at best. Yeah. And even the word it has its own connotations because if you use that, then your protagonist probably isn't alive. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. non-personing. Yeah. It's like it is what you would use for like a robot. Uh, yeah, but these are all problems that we get to avoid by not having any uh, dialogue in the game. This is true. This is very true. Um, though, uh, you know, 
on the nature of like adventuring, um, did you get inspired by any of like the classic point and click adventure games from the PC, or was it like all say Shadow of the Colossus and um, Ico or Eco? You know, I, I'd say it's mostly Shadow of the Colossus. Like I, I definitely loved all the old uh, was the Scum Engine games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I haven't been actively thinking about those with the gameplay. I, I think it, it's really more, yeah, more more like Ico. Mm-hmm. Some people say Eco. I have a hard time switching over to Eco, and uh, and Zelda. Yeah, I, and, I, and trying to do something new. Definitely, because um, I can't think of an adventure game that um, uses world shifting. Oh, so I. Uh, what kind of puzzles are you building for uh, Hob? A lot of them are really environment-based. Um, and when we think about the, the puzzles that we're creating, we're thinking more so about um, how you would necessarily interact with the world in the given uh, space that we built out or a situation that you're in, and, and how you would find ways to actually get past a, a, an obstacle. We try and build them into the field of the very, the field that they fit, more so like organic pieces of the world itself. And really trying to help your job in solving it as opposed to having a made talk. Yeah, yeah, there's kind of there's two kinds of puzzles that are really interrelated. Uh, one of them is how do I make the world into the version of itself that it, it really wants to be? And the other part, part is how do I get over there across the chasm or up the cliff to where I know there's some uh, some cool stuff I need to get? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's this traversal versus transformation. Yeah, I built a bunch of different mechanics around that. Um, I mean, the plan itself will end up picking up the. Uh, different level abilities as, as they go through the game that really help them traverse spaces, pick up different objects and move them in unique ways. Um, and those are things that we're building on solstice and experience stuff that will really change how you go through the world. Now I see that uh, Hob here is going to have a grappling hook in it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you can check it out in the video. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't work on the grappling hook, so I'm just going to say it's cool. Uh, fair enough. It just seems like this is going to be the year of the grappling hook, given how uh, E3 plays out. Uh, uh, speaking of which... Well, we don't have a fun air. That's any consolation. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, um, did uh, Hob make his way to E3 last week? Uh, no, we didn't. We weren't after their showing. Uh, we didn't really development here, and we didn't want to take uh, too much time off for ourselves to really send anything out. We just released some new things just, um, just to kind of share updates on the game itself. So we released a couple of screenshots, um, a dev diary from uh, one of our incredible graphics uh, engineers here um, who worked on some really great technology for our game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the video is about our grass technology, and uh, you may think, oh, grass doesn't sound that interesting, but you know, when it's bending and moving and making the world feel like a more vibrant place, it's actually really cool. Indeed. Uh, like, I read uh, the, the blog post, and, you know, it was all about, like, the grass of Hop and how it animates. Uh, 
Uh, right. And uh, finally, um, is there anything you can tell us about the release date or the pricing on uh, Hob at this point? Uh, nothing yet. Uh, stuff that we uh, haven't announced yet. So um, yeah, we're, we're keeping that, uh, that that pretty close to the chest right now. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's pretty standard. Um, I see like a, a summer 2016 release. So, um, but I guess we'll find out uh, in due time. Uh, anyway, um, so the game is Hob. Um, look for it in the months ahead on the PlayStation 4 and PC. Um, on the PC, is it going to be Steam only, or is it uh, coming to, like, the Humble Bundle and, uh, you know, GOG and all that? Uh, we haven't announced specific platforms on PC yet. Okay. So, non-specific PC platforms as well. Um, and... Um, we're ho- hopefully we'll be able to review it uh, when it gets released, and we hope to have you on again when your next project is uh, rolling along. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll be uh, happy to share a copy with you when we're uh, rolling up to release, and uh, look forward to chatting again. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, and uh, congrats on the big season finale. Yeah, thanks. Taking us through another one. Yeah, and no problem, no problem. Uh, all right, uh, Petty Fan, play us to the next segment. All right, um, welcome to the topic of discussion, and uh, this week we are wrapping up E3 2016. You know, um, it's never really over. Having had a week to digest it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, th- there's a lot to get through here, as there always is, um, every E3, and um, now that they're gone, um, I apologize for the sound quality of that uh, interview, it was uh, it's, it was on their end, there's nothing yeah. we can do about it. It sounded like it was a cheap mic. Yeah, I'm like... Yeah, sometimes it seemed to be affecting you too, but I'm not sure. It was affecting everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like... Um, we won't talk about cheap mics now. That'll be the next show. <laughs> uh, like, I'll be honest. Um, uh, you know, I couldn't understand what uh, what Alan was saying at points because he was. It sounded like not only was he. Uh, yeah, he was further away from the mic. I think. Yeah, it's like. So I, uh, you know, uh, just anyway. Yeah. So the game does look good, though, from yeah, what I've seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope our audience could understand enough of that, but I'm like. You know, and for those who are listening to the download version, once again, I'm sorry. Sometimes technical problems occur on this program, and we do it live. So, you know, it, there was no way we could fix that. Yeah. Um, so hopefully next time we have Runic on, um, we will have better audio quality. Mm-hmm. So anyway, E3 to, uh, 2016. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. Um there's some. There's been some questions raised around the uh, uh, the event itself. We talked about this with uh, with, with uh, the uh, with Happy Tuesday Games yesterday. Um, the whole relevance of E3 to uh, 20, E3 in general. Like people have been saying that E3 is losing its relevancy, and you know, in various ways um, from. Uh, attendance dropping, 
Um, you've had um, devs pulling out of the show. Um, like, for example, EA, even though it's called the EA E3 conference, technically speaking, that wasn't at E3. It was actually at a location near E3 because they pulled out of E3. Uh, and they had nothing at the show floor itself. And Activision mm-hmm. just pulled out. And some people just not showing off most of their big stuff at E3. Right. And, you know, it's like um, there are other conventions that are important, like uh, gamer, like you hear like Gamerscom. But I'm like, you know, you know like the, Gamerscom is kind of more important for Europe. Uh, yeah, and like Tokyo Game Show is important for Japan. The Tokyo Game Show is its own kettle of fish because, uh, you know, when it comes to like these conventions in general, they're aimed towards console games and handheld games. You know, um, you had mobile ga- you had mobile games at E3, but that you know the the primary engine of uh, E3 is um, big budget AAA gaming, whether it be especially the consoles. And um, the PC has actually been gaining more uh, traction there because um, they had a PC gaming show again. I think I yeah for the second year. And Bethesda, well, Bethesda does both both uh, PC and console stuff. So yeah, and even if you uh, um, like Nintendo conference or a direct this year, um, they chose a different strategy. Um, they went with a conference. Uh, they, they went with a, a treehouse stream. Uh, well, they've been doing the treehouse stuff for a few years now, but, uh, and the treehouse stuff isn't bad. I, I like that they show off lots of stuff from the games that they cover, but uh, it's I, better. I liked when they were supplementing it with also sort of shorter, high impact things of what they're doing. I think they made the the the, the position that they're in. Um, they did what the, what I saw one person call a min max strategy. You know. And that made sense because, uh, you know, right, the Wii U is the Wii U is on its way out. That's not a secret. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like, so Nintendo didn't have much in the tank to show outside of Zelda. And the NX isn't ready to show yet for whatever reason. Uh, and they might not have wanted to show that at E3 first anyway, so. The, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's because the NX is not ready for um, prime time at all. And and I know and I know why they ha- they have to get this right. They they have to get the NX launch right because they're 0 for two in system launches in recent times. The 3D the 3DS launch was a goddamn mess. It took them a year to recover from that. And you could you could. So say, thankfully they did recover on the 3DS. The Wii yeah. U not so much. Yeah, the Wii U. Uh, you know, it's like the Wii U uh, cratered. Like, you want to know why, like, EA and Take-Two and, like, a lot of uh, third parties vended the system really quick. It's because the, their initial game sold, like, thousands of copies. Not tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, literal thousands. Like, holy fuck, how did you, you know, it, it was bad. And they can't have that happen again. Mm-hmm. And, and continue to, you know, actually be a first party. I look forward to, in the future, looking back on the gems that were on the Wii U uh, and being able to not worry about the fact that there weren't enough of them. Yeah. Uh, but that's me being an optimist, so. The, the Wii U is 
not quite dead yet, though. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's got about uh, the greater part of a year to live. You know, unfortunately, that also means, like, you know, what we're seeing get released now are projects that were clearly greenlit a while ago for the Wii U and have no recourse but to stay on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or have already been released. Like, um, this week we, we're seeing the release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, one of the last big Wii U games. Uh, you know, Although it's not, apparently. Well, we'll see how well it lives up to its reputation. Well, apparently in Japan there has been questionable reception of it. It's actually been reviewing really well over here. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I was kind of surprised too, but you know, they well, showed... apparently it plays like a Persona game. So yeah, well, I, I basically said that, you know this is a you know this is Shin Megami Tensei Wii U edition. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's Shin Megami uh, Tensei with um, Fire Emblem cameos in it and a lot of idol culture for God knows what reason. Yeah, yeah because drugs I are a hell of a really. Thing. I mean, if it's a good game, that's great. If it's a bad game, that's I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm kind of baffled at where we ended up with this game based on what it was originally described as. Uh, and I believe the development did have a couple of zigzags in it. Well, yeah, that's because they announced the project before they announced the game. Like, the game hadn't even entered production when a lot of, like, is there... clear that Iwata announced some, you know, this was one of them. Like, you know, they had the idea of, hey, let's do a crossover game. I'm like, we're not going to, we don't know how it's going to be done. Um, but, but we're going to do something with yeah. these two things together. Uh, yeah. And that was one of the few Wii U, uh, that was like the two other Wii U games they had uh, to show. Hello? Hello, Hello. we're roboting a little. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I think I might have cut out there for a second. Uh, Yeah, you live broadcast. And they're thinking about all. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, as I was saying, it was like one of two uh, Wii U games that they showed off. The other one was. Paper Mario Color Guard, or uh, Color Splash. I do think Color Guard is a better name, because that's an actual thing. But, uh, yeah, Color Splash. Started that off on day two, and it was the first good look we uh, got uh, with the game. And so, uh, here's the rub. The, uh, color, uh, color Splash looks amazing. Like, I'd say it's one of the best Wii U games um graphics-wise, out there, or uh, will be when it gets released in October. Um, Mm -hmm. But the gameplay is following along uh, Sticker Star. Um, It looks like it's being... It it looks like it's uh, expanded, and it's not going to be quite as shitty as Sticker Star was. Yeah, Sticker Star had problems that can be remedied while sticking mostly with the same kind of game. Well, I mean, it had some problems that are inherent to the style of game they've decided to go with for Paper Mario for the foreseeable whatever. Well, it's like, uh, but, but there were some problems that it can do much better. Well, they're fixing one of them by actually like there was no point in fighting regular battles in Sticker Star. 
you know. Yeah, you just used up your stickers, and then you had to go get more stickers. Yeah. It's like, in this game, they actually remembered, oh, hey, having some RPG elements might actually be a good thing. You know, because um, um, Sticker Star is based off of, um, it's got uh, paint, and it looks like your new character is Ray, and um, you get, you, you've got, like, a, a maximum amount of paint you can use. The point is, you can expand these uh, color bars, and that's your RPG style. Mm-hmm. You know, you can actually gain experience and you grow in levels and stuff. You know, so they they took note that even having that in a uh, very, very, very skeletal form is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. You know. And you mentioned, re- you, mentioned uh, you read or saw somewhere that uh, part of the reason why the, the Paper Mario games it have been was... going in this direction is, I mean, aside from the whole Miyamoto doesn't want new characters thing, which is whatever... Uh, they're also trying to differentiate the style between those and the Mario and Luigi games, which are the more traditional RPGs. Uh, yeah, it was in a Game Explain interview. Mm. Um, uh, they, they said that you know because of the Mario and Luigi, uh, because the Mario and Luigi series is uh, doing the traditional role-playing game with the you know it's basically taking the mantle of the Mario RPG series at this point. Um, they decided to go in this more action-adventure-orientated uh, position. I'm like, that does not excuse them from building boring fucking worlds with boring fucking toads. Yeah, they definitely could be doing better while still keeping with the more action and world gimmicky RPG structure. Like well, they could there are like what and every toad they have a different types of residents of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ogre, where were your thought colors splash? Looks pretty good. I kind of like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose you're going to uh, let's play that, you know, somewhere down the line. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. As is tradition. Oh, yeah, I mean, they've done all the other Mario games. It's just, you know, I would like this year or anything. Uh, anyway, uh, outside, uh, let's see. I guess we should talk about Zelda itself. You know, since that, that, that was the main of... Uh, yeah, so, uh, like, day one was outside of Pokemon. And we'll get to, Poke- um, we'll get to Pokemon in a bit. Um, Zelda was the big, uh, not just the big Nintendo showcase, but the biggest games uh, at E3. Um, the, it won the social media um, engagement war. Will you know? Oh, yeah, discussed. Yeah, it, it, it's like okay. I'm like that doesn't necessarily translate in sales, but I'm pretty sure uh, Zelda here is going to sell pretty well. You know. Uh, you know, uh, exit the media. doing some interesting things with it. Yeah. It, it's like, they basically turned the, uh, the, uh, the Legend of Zelda here into the, uh, the Witcher 3. Uh, or that, or it's a very, it's got a lot of, uh, Western role-playing game design elements going into it, and that's not a coincidence. Um, because that kind of game has been increasingly popular. Especially Skyrim. 
I, you know, the, the devs have mentioned outright that they were influenced by Skyrim. You know, as was um, Monolith for uh, Xenoblade Chronicles uh, X. And it's worth noting that um, Monolith is working on this game as well. Um, they've got like 100 people working on uh, for Monolith on this. It, like, this is um, literally the biggest Nintendo project ever in terms of manpower. Now, this, you know, this is Nintendo entering, you know, like, the modern age AAA uh, game dev. And, like, and they are to uh, bridges with this one. They're having voice acting, though not for probably for Link. Uh, they're doing a lot more with uh, being able to change your outfit and have it, like, your your look is not as static as it, as it is in a lot of other Zelda games. Yeah, you can, uh, here's the big one. Nobody's brought this up. You can jump. Like, you can actually press a... Yeah, the, I was going to say that. Yeah. Like, no, like nobody You can this. jump without having a magic feather and or cape. Yeah, it's like, this is the first time you can jump in a 3D Zelda game, and nobody brought this up. Like, because, like, beforehand, the jumping was automatic. But now, you can jump like you can in any other game. Yeah, and it seems like they uh, have put a bit of a better use to the stamina system that was in Wind Waker. Or, not Wind Waker, Skyward Sword. Right. Uh, Um, Also, they... uh, they're continuing the Skyward Sword system, kind of, of the shield, and also in the, now some variable weapons being disposable. I forget if they said that there is a uh, permanent sword that you'll always have, uh, but you'll still be able to pick up spears and stuff from enemies. I'm willing to bet that's one of the spoiler things, because... Yeah. Um, so the Well, the Master Sword is pro- almost certainly going to be in the game, since it's in the logo, but... It's going to be a later game thing. Well, the, well, the thing about the Master Sword is it's rusty. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like so we don't know where exactly where on the timeline or which timeline this game is on, but we do know a few things. We know it's in the late game because we've got uh, Kororok showing up. You know, mm-hmm. th- that means it's around the time of Wind Waker or it's after Wind Waker. Yeah, it could be on the Wind. Waker timeline later on, or it could be on another timeline where it's just been a long time. Although, yeah. on the Wind Waker timeline after the water recedes, seems like it might be a good bet on account of all of the ruined stuff. Perhaps. It's either after the water recedes or just before the flood. Well, here's the thing. There's no guarantee that this is Hyrule. You know, That's right. true. Uh, uh, Although I think there is like the Temple of Time and stuff, so yeah, you did actually go through the Temple there of Time and the surprising yeah. parallels. Yeah, uh, uh, it's highly in though, and also I'll note, um, it, I guess it could be the new Hyrule. So um, for those who don't know, the Wind Waker li- line continued in the DS games, um, and yeah, they found a new continent or something. Yeah, and um, Spirit Tracks, uh, there is a new Hyrule that's 100 years old. Um, you know, it, it's mentioned that uh, te- uh, you know, Tetra is the founder of this new Hyrule. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and it's just like, of course, there's a whole ancient myth with trains and shit, and uh, figuring out this timeline shit is hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys so you can talk 
about Pokemon Sun and Moon for a bit. Yay, uh, they, announced, they announced a few new Pokemon, all of which looked... I mean, it's just like the equivalent of Caterpie, uh, Rattata, and Pidgey, but they look interesting. Um, and actually, yeah. having seen the write-ups, they weren't revealed particularly on the stream, but they have more... It'll be interesting having a beginning bird with a chance of having Skill Link with Fury Attack, and the mm. early game Mammal having Strong Jaw that makes... Uh, bite as powerful as Flamethrower. Yeah. Um, the uh, Battle Royales looked interesting also. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, a, not, I'm not sure about those, honestly. Like, well, it's something I'd actually have to try out with some people before I form an actual opinion on it. Yeah, if nothing else, it's a substantially different way to do multiplayer stuff, since you can try to be aggressive. Since since whoever goes out first, the battle ends, and then whoever's left is graded. So yeah, ha- it'll require a bit more thought than just trying than uh, just uh, normal Spamming earthquake. Thing. Yeah. yeah, and Pokemon Sun and Moon are going to be the up the other big guns that Nintendo has this year because um, it was the only important enough to interrupt uh, the Zelda fest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I think the Pokemon plans got changed somewhere along the line. Because they have announced that the new Zygarde forms will be in Sun and Moon, and their signature moves that are programmed into X and Y, but are not obtainable, uh, will be available in Sun and Moon. So, it seems like there was probably originally a plan to have a third version as part of Gen 6, but now they're putting some of the features of that into Gen, Gen 7, and I wouldn't be terribly, terribly surprised if we actually got a Z in Gen 7. But who knows? I guess we'll find out in the mm-hmm. But uh, this wasn't the only Pokemon do. Uh, the also only, of course. Day 2 kicked off with Pokemon Go. Uh, this is their uh, this is the Pokemon company's uh, smartphone app. Uh, um, it's basically their Ingress uh, clone, and mm-hmm. all the yeah, honest, because it's from Tabatudu Ingress. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I walked out of this yeah, one because hello. I'm just. I, I can barely hear any of you guys. Upset anybody else? Yeah, I think we kind of. Uh, I think we had a bit of a connection issue there. Anyway, um, yeah, Pokemon mm-hmm. Go is, uh, I don't know, it's a thing. It, it, it's clearly not my thing, but, like, but uh, it looks going to be... Honestly, it's not mine. I don't have a smartphone. Well, I mean, it's more... This looks like um, this might be even more important than, say, Pokemon Sun and Moon, because, you know, this, this is moving... This is basically moving the Pokemon experience... Um, to what children actually have these days, you know, smartphones and tablets versus, you know, a 3DS. Although there's that little dongle thing that you can get as an accessory for it that costs, like, what, 30 bucks? So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm like, I, th- that seems like a limited engagement. Like, you know, as, you know, it's like, and, and the thing is... Really dedicated people. Yeah. 
the thing is, this is one of Nintendo's most important uh, products, but I couldn't give a toss about it if you paid me to. Yeah, I might mm. try it out if when I get a smartphone, but I don't know. Yeah, um, but most of what Nintendo had on hand on day two were 3DS games. Um, There's anything wrong with that? No. Says me who has 3DS and uses it way more than his Wii U. <laughs> uh, but it shows that the 3DS does have some life left in to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ever yeah. Oasis looked like. Yes, honestly. Yes, so Ever Oasis was the new uh, the new RPG they announced uh, on day two. Uh, so this is the big uh, this is the big promotion for uh, development house Grezzo. Um, for those who don't know who Grezzo is, they're the guys who have been doing a lot of the Zelda remakes. Uh, they did the um, 3DS remakes of Ocarina of Time and um, Majora's Mask, and they did the Wind Waker of uh, HD remake for the Wii U. They didn't do Twilight. So they know their they know their way around the 3DS. Yes, and so this is I won't say it's their first original game, but it's their first original game with Nintendo, and it's their big chance to shine because um, they got like a big a Square uh, RPG guy, you know, hmm. um, like he's the guy who created Chocobos and Moogles and. I just remember them rattling the, off his resume on the stream, and it was pretty impressive. Like uh, he was involved with like the Mana games, and yeah, and this game definitely shows that style of creature creations, especially the uh, what do they got? Newts? Uh, something like that. Yeah, it's Newts with two O's. Adorable fuzzy bird people who are apparently rich and will patronize your shops or. Patronize is the right word for that, right? Uh, yes. I think it is. I, I think that the actual, like, uh, the literal definition of it, instead of, like, you know, you're, you're kind of being condescending, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so, um, since this is our last show, it's probably up till 1045, so we have another half an hour. Uh, sure. Especially since there was more at E3 than Nintendo, even if that's the thing that I cared the most about. Yes, I, I, we're doing the Nintendo stuff here because, you know, everyone can articulate thoughts on Nintendo. So, yeah, right. You know, um, Drive 7 was there. Ogre, uh, you go... September 16th. <laughs> Gotta wait till then. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, yeah, but uh, Dragon Quest Seven looked really impressive. I'm like, and um, you can thank the French for uh, getting Dragon Quest Seven because it was apparently their petition that uh, got the game localized. And this is an updated port of the, the of a PS2 game. Uh, no, it's an updated port of the PlayStation PS1. Yeah, and oh yes. And okay. thankfully, it's not one of fucking Tose's uh, 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 mobile ports. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, so 7 looked um, pretty good. Uh, you know, and I'm sure... Oh, I'd like to have it now, but I guess three months from now is not okay. Well, it's 
like, well, right now, it's like I, I have no control over that. So, um, trying to think what else they had there. Rhythm Heaven joins the list of really weird niche Japanese games that they finally decided to localize one of for some reason. Oh yeah, Rhythm Heaven uh, uh, was the big E3 um, release surprise. You know, uh, much of the um, dampening of people who thought Mother 3 was actually going to get released. I'm like, uh, people, people, they'd actually have hey, to... still may, but... Well, it's more... They'd actually have to... They'd actually have to translate the game. I'm like, the reason why... Yeah, like, as much as you want them to, they're not going to use the same translation. Yeah, I'm like... The reason why they do the um, whole shock and awe surprise with the, with the other Mother games was because the translation work had already been done. You know, mm. uh, you know, Earthbound Beginnings, that translation job was official. It should... Just, that was leaked on Zero. You know... It's actually like technically the longest localization ever. No. But the point is, the work had already been done in 1990. They just got around to uh, uh, releasing it last year. Mother Three is still. And if they if they did if they were going if they were going to announce Mother Three, it probably would have been leaked. Um, possible. I mean, that was uh, another one of the. Uh, that was another thing of the uh, E3. Uh, everything got leaked. Now, um, I don't, I didn't have a big problem with the leaks because I don't fucking care. Now, I still have to watch this uh, footage anyway, so, and believe me, it's like watching hours upon hours of uh, media you're not moving or anything, it's still fucking tiring because it's so much information all the fucking time. God, I thought my eyes were going to bleed after uh, after day two. Uh, I think I fell asleep a couple times while I was back watch. Yeah. But, you know, Nintendo wasn't the only um, player at E3. Uh, you know, it's like we had all the conferences. We had EA. EA was more boring selves. No. Uh, I am at least glad that they are committed to having one creative thing per year, at least. Right. Uh, so, yeah, this year's Unravel was uh, Fae, uh, and apparently that is the actual way you spell that, uh, spell Fae. Like, the, the Y isn't included, or, uh, or at least uh, the skin. They're both acceptable. Yes. And, yeah, that, that's also the launching of uh, Electronic Arts Originals, and that's kind of the that's kind of the most relevant thing to this show directly because, you know, this is kind of hard beat indie games. You know, and Zoink, mm-hmm. Zoink is like the kind of dev we would have on our Tuesday edition of the show. Uh, uh, you know, and the game looked really good. Also, I was impressed that it was full 3D, and it, it, it's not another 2D platformer. I do love the, the 2D platformers, but I'm like, we're pretty good when it comes to 2D platformers. Versus, say, 3D um, platformers or 3D experiences. But I, I get why 3D, uh, full 3D games are a lot rarer on the indie scene. That takes a lot more work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
other things EA had sports, sports, more sports. You know, I well, you know, it's like um, I know a lot of people give a shit about those sports games, but uh, they don't demo very excitingly. Like, I I don't know. It's like EA just doesn't have a lot of stuff that interests me. Mainly because yeah. I think EA is the devil and wish they would not be a thing anymore. But, uh... Yeah. You know, well, that's a rant for another time. Oh, <laughs> It's like, uh, fuck. What else do they have? Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, which looked pretty impressive. Uh, and, um, it looks like they're a fi- like they're making Fem Shep the focal point of the character. Uh, not... Oh, so- well, it's like, it, it was Fem Shep who woke up. Not, you know, mm. you know, not generic, generic McSpace Marine Shepherd. Yes, I'm like, you know, apparently that still didn't count, but uh, that's a thing for another time. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, God, uh, EA Star Wars. Uh, various dev studios talked and talked and talked about Star Wars, but didn't show off a whole lot. And I'm like. That's about all I can remember from uh, EA. Like I said, they weren't very memorable. Um, we did a secret uh, live uh, stream of the Bethesda conference. It was kind of a test. By secret, we mean badly publicized. <laughs> well, it was secret. Uh, it was kind of the overrun of the, the review that week. And, uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know, it's like it was kind of a test to see how well uh, we could handle one of these things. And there were some concerns. Mainly because, you know, these um, conferences can get so numbing uh, that, you know, people kind of wanted to tap out. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to lie. I forgot we were broadcasting I died. a couple times. Yeah. On the inside. Yeah. Because it was so boring. Yeah, it's so like, boring. yeah, the, <laughs> the Dishonored 2 gameplay showcase went on for uh, a little too long. The only uh, Even longer to me for someone who didn't I... give a shit about Dishonored. The only fun I had when we did this, when they did Dishonor Two, was when I completely humanized a character that was just massively slaughtered. <laughs> it was like just this horrible, like, oh my god, I thought he was just a mook, and now I've murdered him. Why would this game where I can murder anyone how I want make me have to not murder everyone to get the best ending? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, other highlights were uh, Quake Champions, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, since id Software and Machine Games have successfully rebooted Wolfenstein and Doom, uh, obviously Quake was the next logical step. In fact, today, yeah. today, this very day we're recording, is the 20th anniversary of Quake. Um, Happy God, I'm old. Quake. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the 20th anniversary of Super Mario 64. I'm like... God damn it! <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, now you feel old. Honestly, <laughs> uh, it feels like it's been 20 years since those games came out. And, well, anyway, in regards to Quake Champions, um, this is basically their new takeoff of Quake 3. You know, uh, like, you know, that, that that seems to be the biggest part of the Quake, the Grand Quake Legacy. I'm like, uh, and it's being done by um, Saber Interactive. I have my doubts about them, but, you know, the, like, uh, it is two for two on these things, so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. It's just, you know, I don't have any interest in Quake uh, Champions because 
I was never interested in the arena stuff. You know, the competitive arena shooters was just never my thing, even back in the day. And, you know... Well, this, since Doom isn't focused on that, maybe it'll be okay for Quake to be. Well, I should say, Quake is actually going to do the... You know, guess what Guess what? everything's going to follow now? Fucking Overwatch. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everything was Overwatch. Because, you know, because that's how... Successful thing. Yeah, they had more character-based special abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which actually pissed off a lot of the the old uh, like Quake Team Arena people because um, here's the thing: Overwatch, you know, um, Overwatch-style shooters are not arena shooters. You know, it's like yeah, I suppose. Well, it, it, it's like classes didn't ever have a uh, play in the Quake. In the proper Quake uh, series, um, like the the class shit actually originated from a mod of Quake, Team Fortress Classic. You know, you know, so which Quake obviously is, was very popular, but yes. Uh, and what I'm saying is, you know, Quake is an important part of that kind of shooter's history, but it's not the. It was never the main showcase of the actual Quake. You know, mm-hmm. that's an important uh, designation. Because th- there were a lot of people who didn't go, go in on the Quake variants uh, train and, you know, just want the um, vanilla Quake, uh, vanilla or, you know, Unreal Tournament kind of experience. Um, yeah, like, wasn't original Quake really similar to Doom? Sort of. It was definitely uh, sort of, but uh, also different. Um, that's it's the, more closer to Doom than, say, Team Fortress. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like Quake, has, Quake has a lot of disparate elements going on to it, which actually led it to being still one of the most uh, unique, uh, u- unique design shooters out there because it's just a hodgepodge of areas. Um, uh, because Quake was supposed to be a action RPG at one point. Anyway, we got to move along. So um, Microsoft. Um, uh, the big news out of them uh, are several new initiatives. Um, they showed off the the Xbox One S, which is the typical console revision that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, it's you know it's the thinned down um, version, like literally it's forty percent uh, smaller than the um, big VCR uh, box. Um, but then Apple will surely be calling it. The Expo. Possibly, but also um, the the thing that closed the show was Project Scorpio. Um, uh, so it, it looks like this iterative uh, console idea is going to be tested. I'm like, I'm not convinced it's a thing yet because in order for it to be a thing, people actually have to buy the revisions. If people don't buy the revisions, then it's not going to be a thing. You know. But, the, you know, the, and Microsoft's kind of already having problem with the messaging of, uh, of Project Scorpio because, you know, um, Project Scorpio is going to have benefits. I, you know, I got this idea. I'm like, more power is going to help the games, in, like the new 3DS. Uh, you know, like the new 3DS... Uh, makes um, Hyrule Warrior Legends playable 
and you know improves the uh, the frame rate to Super Smash Brothers for 3DS, for example. That's the inherent benefit. And the loading times a lot. Yes, that is the inherent benefit to Project Scorpio. Um, games that are struggling to hit 1080p on the box, which are actually quite a few, are going to be able to do 1080p with a lot. You know, it's actually going to be able to achieve that. And I'm um, like, alleged, you know, th- this is being aimed at like 4K gaming and um, VR. I'm like, you know. Yeah, good luck with what the specs they're saying. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm like, um, VR, uh, that will help. Although, uh, you, like, the PlayStation 4 VR, the PlayStation VR doesn't require the, the Neo to run. So, but I'm like, the more power you have for VR is better. Trust me on this. So, there are benefits to having this console, but um, they haven't exactly answered, um, like, and they're not aiming to have, like, uh, exclusive um, Project Scorpio games. They're, they're more looking for the power considerations here. I don't know about Sony. Like, Sony didn't talk about the PlayStation Neo, but they did talk a lot Which about it. was kind of surprising. Yes. To me, at least. But, uh, you know... Microsoft's more int- is officially transitioning to more a service ecosystem. Like um, most of their games, if you buy on Xbox One, you can buy on you can play on Windows Ten as well. Like you know, they want you to you know they want you to get more into the ecosystem now rather than you know getting attached to hardware. This is reflective of the direction that um, uh, the new CEO has been moving Microsoft. Now, it, it's like it's... Which, well, we'll see how that works. Yeah. I'm like, it's like the big challenge there is getting people to even remember that the Windows Store um, was a thing. Well, there's a rumor going around that the game is maybe available on Steam, so... Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, I talked more about the um, Microsoft conference, but we're getting low on time and got to move forward. So, especially since we got the, you know, probably the best at the, I'm like, okay, there was the Ubisoft conference, but honestly, the only good thing that was at the Ubisoft conference was the um, South Park game. The South Park fractured butt. Don't explain the joke again, dogs, or I'll find a way to slap you. No. <laughs> no. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's the next South Park RPG that's taking a superhero motif. You know, it looked pretty good. You know, it's like Matt and Trey seem to be really involved with that one as well. So, uh, you know, and, and they had a weird dancing number to promote their next um, uh, Just uh, just Dance game. Uh, let's see. Anyway, um, could be summed up as game after game after game after game. I'm yeah. kind of interested in the four glory game, I believe it is. Like Just Dance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, um, yeah, four glory... I'll be honest. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't kind. Of, I wasn't too impressed with this one because it just looks so much like the last of us. Like I actually thought it was called the two initiative. I'm like, oh, it, it's like, but it's nice to see that st- that Sony Bend is still around. Uh, as people have pointed out, the um, the creators of Bubsy 3D have come a long way. And yes, this is actually the same dev studio that made Bubsy 3D back in the day. You know, they would go on to uh, create a pretty good. 
PlayStation 1 series called Siphon Filter, but that's neither here nor there. No. I think I've actually heard of that. Yeah. I'm like, Sony had a lot of stuff. Um, it's like, uh, they had Detroit become human. I really, really skeptical of this game because it's fucking Quantic Dreams, it's fucking David Cage, and if I have to say more, um, go play Heavy Rain or uh, don't. You know, save yourself some time. Go watch the Let's Play of Heavy Rain. It'll make you less likely to try and harm yourself because yeah. you can pull out whenever. It's like, to say, uh, the point is David Cage is a bad writer and he should feel bad for his products. <laughs> you know, and that's an understatement. Hey, the Last Guardian did get delayed. No, in fact, the Last Guardian got a release date. It's coming out October twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. Like, honestly, they still have a chance to delay it. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> Sony did a good job of making me kind of want a PlayStation Four. You know, it's if I didn't have, and like, that's that's kind of the whole point of these press conferences now. Well, yeah, well, that's kind of the whole point of E three. Like, they make you. You know, it, it's a marketing tool. You know, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a damn effective one. You know, going down the list here, um, they had the Guerrilla Games Horizon Zero Dawn, one of the few games um, that featured an exclusively female protagonist. You know... Uh, Just, you know, piss on Ubisoft. I'm like... Well... Yeah. Anyway... Um, and, yeah, and survival survival robot monster hunter looks pretty interesting. Yeah, um, the big one of the biggest things was um, Resident Evil Seven. Like you know, um, out of nowhere, Resident Evil Seven showed up. Um, it looks like it's going back to its. Um, they say it looks like it's going back to its survival horror roots. Um, Resident Evil never looked this fucking scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely more horror and less uh, zombie action, which is what some of the later ones have been. Now, mind you, Resident Evil skit was scary back in the day. Like, um, there were a few moments like that, like the infamous dog scene. Um, but you know, Resident Evil didn't age well in a lot of places. Oh God, no! You know, um, this is more silent. My point is, this is more Silent Hill style horror. And that makes. I think I remember seeing somebody tweeting like, "Oh God, did they bring PT back?" Yeah, well, they did in a way because a lot of the staff that worked on PT and Silent Hills are working on this. You know, so that and uh, what's the other one? Um. Oh, oh uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the name. Um, you know, uh, one of the big like uh, Koji Pro showed up. Uh, yeah. And it's like, oh, jeez, I fucking, I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, the one with Norman Reedus. And yeah, and I, I, Reedus. everyone knows what you're talking about, but I'm like, God, uh, Death Stranding, thank you, Twilight. I'm like, yeah, Death Stranding, it looked very arty. I'm like, I'm like, and it, it's like. It's, yeah, it looks, it looks very Kojima. Yeah. In the sense that it's weird and doesn't seem to make much sense, but it's very pretty. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm actually interested in this. And, very visual geek. And I'm like, I'm hoping Kojima can keep his damn fetishes out of this one, because he still needs a fucking face for quiet. I mean, like, like, like it's not even the fucking fetishization that was the first part. It was the 
fucking explanation. The, the whole she breathes through her skin. Like, goddamn. And this is why I've never respected his writing. Anyway, um, um, so Crash Bandicoot's coming back, sort of. Woo! Yeah, and it wasn't just well, like, he's coming back. And they're also re-releasing his good games. Well, no, they're remake. They've already re-released his good games. Oh uh, yeah, they're. Re- I actually have the third game on my PS3 right now. Yeah, they're remaking um, the um, PlayStation classics. I'm like. Uh, I suppose that's nice. You know, it's like bringing the you know. Don't like, fuck it up. I kind of, I kind of uh, would have wanted a new game, but I guess they got to reestablish the character or something. Yeah, because it it's been what almost a decade since his last game. Like, or you know, if we were going to do a remake, I'd rather see like a remake of Crash Insanity because I'm like. Here's the thing. Crash Blue Insanity was actually a good game, but there was so much cut from that. Um, it was really hampered by all the cuts. Uh, but well, maybe we'll maybe we'll see that in the future. Uh, uh, possibly, but I wouldn't put money behind it. Like, uh, you know, Spider-Man uh, is getting an Insomniac game. Uh, apparently, this is the launch of a new initiative. Um, oh, right. Um, when they started the conference, they had God of War, um, the new God of War. It's just called a God of War right now. Uh, I hope that gets a fucking subtitle at least because I hate. Yeah, it's a little early. It's a little bit early and a little bit recent to be pulling the uh, relaunch naming. Yeah, and it's not even a remake. It's a sequel. You know, it's a far older Kratos with a dad beard. Like beards are in this year apparently, uh, and son, uh, and it looks like they're going to tear up Norway for some reason. Like, it actually looked interesting, honestly. I'm not, not super into God of War, so... Well, it, it, well, they've got a pantheon going that hasn't been as overused as, you know, the Greek pantheon. Although, you know, North, 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 North mythology is getting up there. North misogyny? Uh, I'm like... Later. <laughs> That I'm like it is God of War, so I wouldn't put it past this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like you know, you know, if Kratos starts raping Valkyries, I'm not going to bat an eye at that, because I'm like, uh, here's it's not an interesting theory that the kid's mother might be a Valkyrie and she's off actually doing her Valkyrie job, and he was the one that was just hanging around. It's but we don't know much beyond what they showed, you know. But we do know like, you know, like. It wouldn't surprise me if Kratos pissed off Thor, like, because you want to talk about, like, you think the Greek gods were belligerent? The fucking Norse gods. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> Tyr, who's never been the same oh? since he made that dare to put his put his hand in the wolf's mouth. Yeah. I, I, I'm like... And, and I always knew that, the, like, they were going to find... Another pantheon. I'm like, I was hoping that they were going to zag. They had no one left. There was no one left in the Greco-Roman pantheon for him to kill. I know. I was just hoping that he would go to Egypt. You know, we don't have a, we don't get the Egypt uh, pantheon uh, often enough. You know, true. It's like you know him throwing down with like Horus and Ra. Uh, Anyway. Or banging. um, What's her face? Cleopatra. I think the Egyptian god of war is a lady, so that would be interesting. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, uh, moving forward, um, Square Enix had a, a Treehouse-style stream that I watched, and they had a lot of stuff there. Uh, a lot of Final Fantasy XV. I, I'll be honest, Final Fantasy XV doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, it is, you know, I suppose it's got, it's basically the hang, uh, Final Fantasy, the hangover. Uh, you know, because it's a bunch of dudes going on, uh, going off on a road trip. I'm like, and I know people, like, people were actually giving, uh, you know, sh- uh, shit to this game because it's all guys and they're doing the road trip, but you know, I actually agree with Jim Sterling there. You know, there is a there is a thematic premise here that's interesting because um, guys do act differently when other guys are around and no women. You know, that is something that is a thing that, occurs. and you know, road trips are often a dumb experience. Uh, anyway, I think it's a dumb concept. So I'm sure the experience is also dumb. Uh, that's kind of the point. You know. Guys aren't that, yeah. you know, guys aren't that smart. <laughs> anyway, uh, God, some of the other stuff shown, it's, uh, you know, our good friend um, Phil Elliott was there with his, with his um, uh, collected up. Now, got to see um, the Turing Test and uh, Black the Fall. Black the Fall looks really different than the footage I saw in front of, uh, for the interview. Um, but it's, it was weird to see. I'm like, hey, I know that guy, and um, we interviewed him like just before the the, the big E3 thing. Yeah, um, we interviewed him right before he was getting ready to go on get on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, but you know, Square Enix has a lot going on. Um, like one of the like. I'd say the game that re- that makes me most want a PlayStation 4 is um, Near Automata. I'm like, Yoko Taro is a very, very weird creator, in case you didn't know from the fucking mask. And he had, <laughs> and he had that fucking mask on again. Because why? I think he doesn't like his face being seen in public. I know, but you know, it also made him very echoey when he was speaking. Because, you know, he's speaking in a full head mask. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, but I'm like, the game looked really good. I'm like, in the, uh, and I really liked the boss trailer. Now, uh, I'm like, they actually synced up the music there. Now, Talking. Yeah. I'm like, that took a, a bit of work. Um, let's see. I Am Setsuna looked, looked really good. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I am Setsuna is kind of their um, interpretation of their own classics. You know, on the stream they mentioned that um, uh, this is the first game from the newly formed Tokyo RPG Factory, and it's a um, love letter to the you know the classic 16-bit games. You know, your Chrono Trigger, your Final Fantasy VI, and oddly enough, they were inspired by um, you know Western devs doing the uh, doing their own um, uh, homages to. Uh, Square Enix games, you know your your Undertale, your Cosmic Star Heroines, you know your RPG maker games. Yes, yeah. uh, everyone else has been saying, "Hey, let's make a game kind of like that." Yeah. They decided finally decided that they could make a game kind of like the games they used to make. It, it's like it looks it looks 
pretty good. All right, and it's only going to be forty dollars when it gets released in July. So uh, I think it's being built in Unity. Like, but I think I started like dual text in the game. So I'm probably going to pick that up eventually. Um, probably not when it gets released because at that fucking price, I uh, I would want to play it right away. Now, uh, let's see. They showed off Star Ocean, Integrity, and Faithlessness. I got to admit, I don't know much about the Star Ocean uh, franchise. I'm like, I, honestly, this is kind of max um, calling. Um, Deus Ex... Uh, it sure is a sub It's a Square Enix subtitle, in case you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... You know, they had uh, um, Dra- uh, Dragon Quest Builders. That's getting released in October. I'm like, I would not look for Ogre to play that uh, because he doesn't like Minecraft. Fuck, I mean. Maybe. No, that, that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Um, World of Final Fantasy looked, well, adorable and um, interesting. Uh, didn't present well. And I could go on, but yeah. like we're, we're kind of running out of time here. I thought it was a pretty solid E3. Now, in all honesty, you know, um, kind of wish Nintendo had shown off the NX, but uh, they weren't ready for it. I, w- I, I kind of wish they hadn't made, like, I wish they kind of wish it's shown up some of their stuff that they showed on the second day on the first day, but I understand why they wanted to just max out their Zelda time. Yeah. I'm like, uh, uh, Ogre, Petty, the final thoughts of E3 2016 for, uh, from you guys? I'm going to be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of time to actually watch it, mm-hmm. so I mean, Zelda looks interesting. Um, some of the stuff from Square Enix looks interesting. It's like, I'm not sure if any of it would make me want to really jump out and go buy a, you know, brand new console. But it looks interesting, at least. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Ogre? Yeah. Now, <laughs> oh, enthusiastic as always. Such deep insight. It's, it's like a poem. That's two letters long. Anyway, so that'll about, that's uh, our recap of E3 2016. Um, and indeed, that is our season. Um, yeah, it's been a long, long winding road. Um, we had some really big inner, you know, like I, I'm, st- you know, I don't think I'll ever forget the uh, the Tom Hall stuff that kicked off the season. We had some other big names, um, big studios here, and we've got a lot, we've already got a lot of stuff lined up for um, season six. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, like um, I'm looking forward to our NVIDIA interview. Yeah, that's going to be my that'll thing. Be, that'll be new. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Petty Fan's going to be taking the lead there because he, he's kind of going to be like, Whenever we have a hardware manufacturer on the program, I'll cover them because that's his wheelhouse. 
Yeah, I've been a computer tech for almost a decade now. Seriously, this is my wheelhouse through and through. Yeah, so, um, look for, yeah, that's coming the second week. Uh, in fact, that's coming July 20th, I believe. That is the day. Correct. Yeah, that is the day that Ogre gets his uh, surgery. So, um, from that interview forward uh, until he returns, um, we won't necessarily be a trio. I'm like, like I said, what? Um, Twilight Winter will probably have you as our guest host uh, during that time. Um, we'll, we'll get more into that when we get into next season. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, but make no mistake, Ogre isn't leaving the show or anything. It's just, you know, he's not going to be able to talk. <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah, because I've had jaw surgery and stuff like that before. It's not fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm like. I mean, I mean, I could probably, I could probably do a pretty good imitation of him being on the show and just go occasionally when someone mentions One Piece or something. Uh, anyway. No, if you have to do a proper imitation of me, you have to have your mic muted for the entire interview. Like, <laughs> at least you haven't gotten bored with us yet. Uh, I kid, I kid. Like, anyway, like, like I said, you know, Ogre's still going to be with us until July 20th. Um, like, you know, he's going to be out, you said what, about six to eight weeks? Six to eight weeks should be for healing, and then after that, it's on to the dentures. Mm, that's unfortunate, but I'm like, you... you eh, shit happens. Like, uh, I, I, I do like your laissez-faire attitude about things sometimes. No. Uh, hey, hey, life sometimes punches you in the guts, and you either lie down in the ditch and die, or you get up and go, son of a bitch, I'll get back at you later. Indeed. And then you don't get back at it later, and you have a wife and kids, and next thing you know, you're at your deathbed going like, I never got back at life. And it's sitting in the corner going, and I got back at you. Flips the newspaper back up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, point of order is, um, yeah, there's going to be a te- temporary fluctuation next season. We are planning around it. Um, you know, as far as what Naka's going to do, that, that that's his deal. I haven't, I, honestly, I haven't talked to Naka in a few weeks. That, that kind of happens because he's so um, hard to talk to on Skype. Anyway, um, so, like I said, uh don't worry about the forthcoming changes. We're, we're just adjusting to a li- uh, temporary life situation. And um, believe me, we've rolled through worse. I mean, the show had to change dramatically to get through some of it, but, you know, we have survived. Anyway, um, so to all of those who listen week in, week out, um, both in the chat, which honestly can be really small, like, this week we only have a couple of our regulars. Uh, sometimes we have uh, more people. It depends on the guest. But you know, uh, you know, to all the people who listen to us uh, on the download side, you know, uh, you know, we always thank you for listening. You know, uh, and you know, hopefully, you know, we can keep doing this in the um, months and years ahead. And you know, with that, uh, until. Until a couple weeks from now, I wish you good gaming.